This is Sex, Love, and Death, conversations about the light and dark we all share. In this conversation, Carly and I share our experience of what it was like to receive our spiritual names. So we don't specifically talk about sex, love, or death, but I definitely feel like especially love and a little yeah. bit of death comes up in our conversation. So... It was a while ago. It was a while ago. I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious what it's going to be I'm like. <laughs> we also wanted to share that this is going to be our last podcast for a while. I move to Colorado tomorrow, essentially. Well, tomorrow is my last day in Atlanta. And then I am leaving Peachtree City Thursday morning. Mm. I know. So... I'm going to move, <laughs> and we're just going to take some time to, well, I need some time just to kind of figure life out and all of that, and we need some time to figure out how to make this podcast work when we live in different states, but we are going to try really, really hard. If you have suggestions, please let us know, <laughs> which also brings me to, I know that some of our episodes haven't had the best sound quality, so we also want to commit ourselves to doing a little bit better job of that as well because while the content or the quality hasn't always been great the sound quality hasn't always been great I really feel like the quality of our conversations has been really really incredible and I've actually had a couple of conversations recently with people that um, have helped illuminate just how much doing this podcast is meant to me and I hope how much having the opportunity to hear these conversations has meant to other people as well um and so with that being said I just want to take a few minutes and you know if you want to if you Carly want to share anything about uh any particular conversation that's meant a lot to you or just this experience of having a podcast in general if you want to share a little bit about what that's been like for you I think that would be cool yeah it's been like a very subtle journey totally doing this podcast yeah and sorry to interrupt but like I just feel like that's why it was so cool to have someone ask me that like someone's just like so tell me what this experience of podcasting has been like for you and I was just like oh and like actually hearing myself talk about it like realizing in the moment I never really realized just how much it was doing for me but like retrospectively like having the opportunity to kind of reflect back on the past year or two almost two years now, right? Since we had our first, like, not since we started the podcast, but, like, since you and I kind of sat down with this idea. Yeah. Um, just to see how much has shifted in that in that time period and to kind of see how doing the podcast and having this experience has actually shaped me in a lot of ways, like, really been subtly, um, subtly a part of whatever I've been going through. Sorry. Yeah, totally. And, I mean... We were both going through some shit throughout the period of this podcast existing, <laughs> <laughs> like at different times, very different things. And I feel like just the idea of nurturing this thing and like making it happen and making the effort to do not just the podcast, but like do what we've talked about doing which is like sitting down with people and like Mm -hmm. having these conversations like having that as a (laughs) semi-consistent in my life um 
I feel like it's given me, like, an kind of, I guess, a consistent, like, a constant thing as mm-hmm. things have been crazy. And something to kind of, like, having conversations with other people is enlightening about that other person and, like, is enlightening about, like, all of these topics. But it's also just, like, a sound, like, all three of us, me, you, and whoever we're talking to, it's just kind of, like, a way for us to get shit out. Yeah. You know? Totally. Yeah, I think having those soundboards, having those mirrors in your life is a really important part of why talking to people is so healing. Like, why... Being in communication with people, especially when you're going through the difficult times, is so important. Sometimes just learning more about yourself from yourself, like from hearing yourself talk, you know, from hearing yourself having a conversation can be really illuminating. And then just, we've talked about it several times, like just the power of someone saying, me too, you know, or Mm -hmm. like the power of just knowing that other people have maybe not the same situations, but like similar situations or their own version of something happening is really powerful to know that we're not alone you know yeah and seeing like the common like the common thing between you and another person who are who have really different experiences Mm -hmm. that said we did interview a lot of yoga teachers right but I mean no regrets. No regrets. I think that the conversation we had have been really powerful. And the non-yoga teachers that we did interview were really wonderful, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. And then I, I also want to say, moving forward, I hope that we have a little bit more of a diverse <laughs> uh, interviewer or interviewee uh, yeah. population. But that's also the from. nice thing about the podcast is, like, people who we want, we wanted to have these conversations with, we get to. Yeah, and totally. I think going forward, it would be cool to, like, reach out to people who are doing completely different things than us and totally probably or may not have the same sort of philosophy coming from a different perspective yeah and like I'm glad that we just started you know for me I think that's been a big part of why this podcast you were talking about it being like a constant and yeah I think the consistency of it the discipline of doing it has been really helpful and I think for me just knowing that I actually stuck with something and saw something through to fruit like saw something that I wanted to do through to fruition is really empowering for me because I haven't always been that good at doing that like I'm one that comes up with ideas frequently but doesn't always actually follow through enough to make them happen you know so even though this has just been more of like a passion project more than anything like the fact that we've even done it is really cool to me you know yeah also same it's hard to like keep a solely passion project thing yeah going when you have so much other stuff going on and yeah and to me just like to feel that an idea isn't important enough to do it anyways is really cool um and that being said like I think it's fine that we kind of started more in our comfort zone like being other yoga teachers and like being people that Mm -hmm. we already know and stuff but then having having these 13 episodes behind us and like having these experiences behind us like I feel like maybe now we can more confidently branch out and like reach out to other people and you know see what happens yeah at least I feel more prepared to do that now that we're like we actually have some episodes behind us you know and the experience of interviewing and stuff behind us we can only get better from here yeah exactly <laughs> now we just have to jump over the hurdle of distance yeah learning how this whole 
being a part thing works. <laughs> long distance relationship. Yeah. I'm going to be sad to leave you. I'm going to be sad too. <laughs> 10 minutes of sobbing. I know, right? Insert crying here. <laughs> it's been strange. Like all the goodbyes that I've had to say the past week or two. I've rarely cried in front of the person that I'm saying goodbye to or people, but, like, the moment that I leave, like, I just instantaneously Aww. lose my shit. And it's strange. Like, I don't even really feel the urge to cry, like, when I'm with the person, and then I leave the person. It's just, like, overwhelmingly, Wait, like, oh, my God. <laughs> I don't really know why that is, but uh, this has been an interesting experience for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I will say, too, like, one thing that the podcast has given me is um, more confidence in my voice, like more literally, like literally my voice and just like that feeling of I have something to say. I have something to share, you know, because mm-hmm. some sometimes subtly and sometimes not so subtly in my life, I have felt like people don't want to hear what I have to say. And even though there's a part of me that consciously doesn't believe that there's that insecurity that's been hard to overcome yeah um and so our last episode was my friend Bridget and um when I told her that I released it that we released it and I um she's like oh I want to go hear it but like I don't know what it's gonna be like to listen to myself talk for an hour and I was like you get used to it and that was when I kind of realized like oh I wonder if having this experience of repeatedly hearing myself talk over and over again actually has been subtly healing for me in that way of realizing like, yeah, sometimes I say stupid shit and like sometimes I forget words or trip over my words or sometimes like I sound like an asshole, but like more times than not, I don't, you know, and even when I do, it's okay, you know? It's like, I think just kind of having that experience of hearing myself talk and like it being okay has just been kind of, validating and like empowering in a lot of ways you yeah. know it's like and oh I've, I want to listen to us yeah exactly <laughs> like it's an enjoyable it's enjoying a jo- bleh, enjoyable to hear <laughs> hear like our podcast you know so I think that that alone has been really transformational to me and like I feel much more confident in the way that I talk not even just here like when we have a microphone in front of us but like I've seen that translate into just conversations that I have especially with strangers when I'm previously it might have been a little bit more shy or timid like now I actually feel more like prepared I guess in a way like I feel yeah. stronger and like what I have to say or I feel a little bit more uh I feel more confident in my delivery and it's not even because of what I have to say but I feel like I'm able to like slow down enough I don't know there's just something about the way that I talk now that it, it feels subtly different um and I've yeah, seen it translate like, into like my teaching as well, and and I think it's not just the podcast. Like I think there's been several things over the like a lot of a culmination of a lot of work I've been doing myself. Yeah, for that's years what I was gonna now. say. I feel like this thing has been woven into everything else. Yeah, that, it's like, definitely woven into a greater yeah a greater tapestry of self work. <laughs> but I feel like this has been something at least for me to like really help bring that to the surface. Or it's been like a a manifest a very tangible like manifestation of like who I want to be in a way or what I want to offer of myself and realizing like I can do this, you know, I can put my voice out there in a way. 
It's been cool. Sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm that, almost there. So that when <laughs> I go to become a counselor, I feel like I actually have words of wisdom to offer, at least something to say where I won't feel like an idiot. Oh, yeah. Have you said, like, what you're doing? Um, I think I mentioned, like, in one of the very first podcasts that I was going to school to become a counselor, but... More specifically, I am moving to Boulder, Colorado to attend Naropa University, which is a very, very small Buddhist-influenced school, <laughs> and I'm receiving a, or I'm going for a master's in somatic psychology, which is also known as body psychotherapy, um, and it's the psychology of movement in a way. It's like the psychology of how our mind and bodies interact, so um, a lot to do with yoga and a lot to do with mindfulness and just how we perceive ourselves um, and how our mind and body are not two separate parts but rather two two parts of the same system and um yeah which is perfect which is exactly what you need to do yeah I feel very confident about that which is a good feeling talking about actually moving forward on something that feels important and like actually being able to bring an idea into fruition like that's what that that that's what this feels like too you know this has been an idea that's been in the works for a while now and at one point it felt like a five-year goal and now all of a sudden it's like oh it's here like it's happening now like I start school in 20 days um so it's yeah I I feel very confident that I am exactly where I need to be, and that's so exciting, and I feel like this is a really important and exciting step in the bigger scope or the bigger picture of of my path um, and my personal evolution, and it's difficult to leave. Yeah. It's hard to say goodbye to all my friends and my family and my teachers and um, my comforts, <laughs> you know, like I'm... I'm 30. I've lived in Georgia since I was three. Um, and even though I traveled quite a bit in my early 20s, but I always knew when I was coming home. You know, the longest I was gone was about a year. Um, so this is the first time that I'm picking up all of my stuff and going and starting in a new home somewhere else. And as my cousin put it today, he's like, you're not leaving anything behind. You're just starting something new. And those don't have to be mutually exclusive things, you know? So, and I definitely feel that way. Like I know that Atlanta will always be home and this isn't, this is my relationships changing, but it's nothing ending. Yeah. But it's definitely something very, very huge beginning. Yeah. And that's exciting. It's very exciting. Yeah. And, and I'll come visit you and we'll still have our podcast that'll be our constant together so after we finish this recording we're going to get tattoos <laughs> of our I microphone say that. yeah totally I mean, a little shitty microphone our little alien so I know it's this cute little ball with this with three little tripod legs the um, way we're describing it probably signals that we need to get a better one well you know we're, we're, we're on our way we're there. working we're working up We'll work up in the world. But this will always be but our first love. Our first love. And like this conver- this podcast is really what became like the foundation of our friendship in a lot of ways, you know? know? Like we were acquaintances before and then I was just like, Hey, let's do this thing and 
you know, I mean, we share so many important things. Like, so also, like, again, this this episode is our story of receiving our spiritual names, and that's a really significant thing that we share. And we have the yeah. same birthday, <sighs> Gemini's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we share this really awesome podcast. So we're gonna go get a tattoo to signify our special friendship. Okay. <laughs> y'all gotta get to this episode and by okay. y'all I mean I'm gonna be listening to this in the future and I'm ready to get to it alright <laughs> he's talking about like sometimes this path of meditation this path of like constantly going inward might appear kind of selfish on the outside or it might appear just like really um, self involved almost like narcissistic from the outside right. but what you're doing when you're kind of engaging in this this path of self-enriching or self-seeking, um, self-cultivation, is you're brightening your own inner light. And by doing that, you're helping others see their light because we're all just kind of mirrors for each other. Every, he kept saying, "Whatever, everything you see, you, everywhere you look, you see what you want to see. And oh, if you're is this looking the one where over and over again over and he over. was like, everywhere you look, you see what you want to see, or you, you see, see what, what you're, you're looking, looking for. for. And if that you're looking for God, God is everywhere. Yeah. But I think that for me right now, like the first part is more important of just like everywhere you look, you see what you're looking for. And I think that like the more that we kind of go on this inner journey, the more that we kind of purify or cleanse ourselves or just nourish ourselves from the inside out, then we start to see the world from that place of, of love, of brightness, of lightness, and then we help others do the same, you know? So it's not just this journey of for ourselves, but the collective self. And I guess that for me, the reason it brought, that, brought, that came up right now is like, um, for me, that's what the ashram is in a way. It's like, it's that mirror to my own inner light. Like when I go there, it's very easy to just immediately drop into that place of feeling very clear-headed, very, very full-hearted, very just open and alive in the greatest way. Yeah. And, and that's not because of the power. We've talked about this before, where everything that you feel is not something from the outside in, but really it's whatever is outside is pulling this feeling that you already have within you, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's not that the Shakti or the light or the love or the connection and community that I feel in the ashram belongs to the ashram. It's bringing out this feeling that I already have within me. It's kind of like reflecting back to me who I really am. And it's powerful to be able to go to this place where I can feel that and tap into that and be able to kind of bring that home and try to like, bring my light back to then help others experience their own life as well, their own light too, to be yeah. a mirror off the ashram as much as I receive that reflection back to me with, on the ashram. To quote Ram Das again, <laughs> something that he says is, um, it might have been in that same episode. I don't know. I've listened to so many. They just yeah, kind of blend together. Yeah, all blend together. And that might have been like a quote that I read. I don't know. But... He says at some point um, that all you all you ever have to offer people is your inner 
state of mm-hmm. being. Yeah. Or is your state of being. And mm-hmm. so it's like, I don't know if I'm helping anyone, but like, I, I do know that like, you can't make people feel any way. You can't, you actually can't come back and like share anything about the ashram. It doesn't, it doesn't translate, but what right. you can do is just, and all you can do is be better within yourself. Mm-hmm. Do more of what grounds you. Mm-hmm. Do more of what makes you connected. Right. And that's literally all you can do. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, well, if that's all I can do, then I'm going to do it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Do it to the best of my ability. And whatever happens from there, happens from there. At the very least, I feel pretty fucking good about it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, but I think for me, like, I think I still have a lot of processing to do from this particular ashram experience. But um, so this was my third time at the ashram. And I think it was definitely interesting to see how much more connected and how much more easily plugged in I felt. Like the moment I stepped onto the ashram, like I felt home. I felt like I felt like I was existing at this higher higher vibration you know just like everything just like clicked whereas before when I'd gone it kind of took me a couple of days to like step into that or it took me like maybe a day or a few hours at least to like step into that but like the moment that I stepped on the ashram this particular time it was like I was just immediately attuned um to that which felt really cool yeah for me I like I guess I realized that usually when I go to the ashram and I start to like my vibration starts to get a little bit higher and I'm like a little bit more in my heart and less in my head. Um, It's just so not what you experience in regular life. Right. And I think I realized like that it took me a little bit longer before to like plug into that because there's some closing happening. Mm-hmm. And this time, I think I was sitting with you and Nagapriya at lunch or dinner or whatever it was. I was just like, I think I'm just gonna go right into this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, not close off to this. And I remember that because Nagapriya was like, yeah, come to where I'm at, <laughs> like, <laughs> dancing around, eating her yeah. rice or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, everything there, everything there, like, even the quality of food is just different, like. It's so crazy. You can taste. How good the food is. It is so good. And they they try to grow, so for our audience, like, they try to grow some of their food on the property. I think they're up to, like, 40%? I don't know. I don't know. They grow a a decent amount of their own vegetables and stuff like that, but they still do bring in food from the outside, and yet, like, you can just feel that there's love cooked into the food like it's it's even the food is cooked with intention even the food kind of contains this this shakti or this power vibration because the people preparing the food that's like that's their practice exactly like that is their savor that is their way of serving that is their way of shining their light back into their community that is their way of like contributing and like that's their that's their path like that's where they feel like they have the most to offer you know that's what keeps them open and connected and all that and you can feel that, like, when you eat it, it's just, like, you feel so much more satiated. Um, yeah, unless you go back for 
second or third. I mean, I feel like I <laughs> eat so much there, which probably is, has to do with, like, the grounding quality of food, right? It's like, yeah. when you just kind of feel like you're in this other ether for a minute, like, it, you need a little bit of more food to help keep you grounded in yourself for, at that time, but but also it's just really good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's like, not really satiated as in like, I don't need more food. I always want a little bit more food when I'm there. And yet like the food just, like I feel it nourishing my body in a way that I don't always. And it, it's it's probably the quality of food. It's the quality and intention with, what the, with which the food is made. And it's the intention with which I am receiving the food. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm already, I'm more open as well. Like, I'm trying to eat more intentionally, and I'm eating with people that are also in that same state, you know? So when I was in, um, when I was doing my certification for um, health coaching and nutrition, um, one of the things that they talked about that we don't really often think about is, like, one of the reasons that, um, so it was like an integrative approach to nutrition. So I talked about like how food affects us on every level. It's not just our physical being that digests the food, but it's like also how we energetically process the food and like, or how the food affects us, how the mood that we're in when we're eating affects mm-hmm. us um, and how like what we're eating can also affect our mood as much as our bodies. So anyways, the point being that like these days, like in a very convinced, like because we go to convenience food so quickly or like everyone kind of demands to be, um, the example they give is like, you know, what happens if you're a family of four trying to eat a meal and like mom doesn't want to eat meat, one kid's allergic to this, the other kid's allergic to this, and so you end up with four people eating very, very different meals. And like even if you're all sitting down together, like you're all having a very different experience. You're all mm-hmm. eating with very different intentions because you're all like preparing yourself to receive very different meals. And like, and not only the input of your body, like the input of the food into your body, but also like the way that you're open to like to receive and process that food is very different from one person to the next. And so like energetically, you're all in a very different place. And so like what could be this very connecting kind of unifying experience all of a sudden becomes like kind of this, you know, this... Bunch of separate, separate Yeah, exactly, very separate experiences. And so I think another reason that the the food scene or whatever, like, on the ashram is so nourishing is because everyone is eating the same thing and everyone's kind of in the same state of mind. Like, they're sharing this very expansive experience that is kind of embodied in this meal in a way, you know? Yeah, at least when you're on, like, a retreat and when you're... With a group of people that have right. the same intentions, you know, I don't know how it is there, like, day to day, but it's nice, like, being with this group of people that, like, like, with your satsang, like, you all have the same intention, like, mm-hmm. or not necessarily the same intention, but the same kind of draw to, like, why we want to be there, yeah. you know? you all have any intention at all. Right, like, yeah. So many times we just, especially around meals, we just, like, eat because we're supposed to. We eat because we have to because our body's hungry. Like, we don't actually take the time to, like, enjoy a meal, you know? Um, and so, yeah, our intentions might be different, but the fact that we have intention at all in the things that we do, I think, is a very unifying, yeah. unifying thing because it's, like, a lot of times we're just kind of, like, not even just around food, but just in life. I think we're often just kind of moving, putting one foot from the other, like not always thinking about what we're doing, just kind of like reacting to life versus like engaging with it or, you know, moving intentionally. And I think 
the more we can do that together. Like, I don't know. I don't really know where I was going with that thought. But <laughs> I think just the fact that we all, like, have intentions at all in that space is what's, is what's really powerful and what's really important, you know? Yeah. And what's the cool thing about being on a retreat? So if you ever have a chance to go on a yoga retreat or any kind of retreat, really, any, any opportunity to kind of be in a group of like-minded people or an intentional group-minded group of people, I think is really powerful. Totally. Connection. Mm-hmm. So talking about the ashram is kind of this place of, for me, it was this place of um, just having a deeper experience or like a more visceral experience of my own inner light or like, again, like kind of having this um, feeling of being very, very vibrationally high, very clear-minded, all that, and, like, realizing that that's not something that's coming simply from outside of me, from the ashram into me. It's The ashram is reflecting what's already in me. And as I was thinking, as I was saying that before, that also kind of ties into me, like, why receiving a spiritual name was so important. Because I think for me, it's like, the name I was given, or I think the process of, I think the the tradition or the ritual of being given a name is kind of like naming that light or naming that essence within you, like naming your highest self and then having that name as a reminder that that's in there somewhere, that you're on this path, that you're like seeking something and it's represented by this name and that name is like a constant reminder that you're on the path but also kind of contains within it the tools of the path to continue working towards this higher self. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it was like, for me, it was like, here's the name of your light, and then this is the tool to help you take your light with you off this ashram, to continue this lineage, to continue this path, even when you're not here, even when you're not directly connected to your satsang or to your spiritual community. This is how you take your spiritual community with you and bear that love and bear that light to others. So when we first got there, we had story time with a woman named Swami Anjani, and um, someone asked like to explain a little bit more about like why we receive names, why Ma started that tradition of giving names, and like and why that still continues today. And she was talking about receiving a name as a commitment, and I really liked I really liked that idea that like yeah that it's it's not just like it's not just for fun, you know, it's not just it's actually kind of really difficult to receive a name in a way you know I think what I think when I first asked for a name two two years ago I think I just wanted it because it sounded cool you know it's like (laughs) it seems like a neat way to like feel more connected to the community and now I think it took me two years to like really realize like it's it's so much more than that yes it is a great way to feel connected to my satsang to my spiritual community and it's so much more than that it's like this daily reminder that I'm on a path and now I've committed to that path, and there's no turning back. There's, there's definitely going to be moments when I step off of it, or when I trip, or when I do all these other things. But like my name to me now is kind of this way of like always coming back to this path. Can you explain your name? So my name is Trishula Jaya. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say it without smiling. Um, so I really I didn't know what my name was going to be before. 
Like, I really had no idea. I had no expectation. I had no real attachment to what it might be. Um, but also, like, when she said that name, like, I had – I've never heard that word before. It's like I had no – because I had no context, I was just like, okay, <laughs> that's my name. Like, I don't know what to do with that. Um, but so when she handed us our name – like, when she handed me my name, like, it was written on a card. It's like when I sat down, I saw Trishula Jaya, Trident of Shiva – so at least then I knew what it meant, like trident of Shiva. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say something else, but that came later. Um, and so even then I was just like, hmm, okay. I don't necessarily have this immediate uh, immediate attachment to that or this immediate like rush of meaning around that. It was like, huh, I have a lot of learning to do about this. Um, but that alone to me was like the first really cool thing because like, I'm a very curious person. I love to learn. I love to read. I love to, for me, like my, like kind of dissensational curiosity is how I stay plugged into things. You know, I always want to be learning more and more and more. And so I think the fact that I have a name that I don't really know that much about is this invitation to stay curious. Um, and it's going to be a name that I'm continuously learning more and more about as I go forward. And because of that, it's going to be this name that I'm having to constantly grow into, which I think is true of any name because mm -hmm. that's just the nature of life. Like we're never done. Like we're always continuously evolving and, and whatever tools you have to, you know, to help you with that, they're going to continue unfolding for you. Right. Like, but I think it's important to me that like, I don't really know what my name means, you know, and that's part of the teaching I think is like, I'm going to have to just continue to work with this and figure it out. Like, it's not just handed to me. It's not just this easy, straightforward, like, this is your name. Now go. It's like, a, yeah. I have to keep on digging. I have to keep on, I have to make my name work for me. <laughs> or I have to work with my name to actually, like, get something out of it. So that, to me, was, like, the first thing. Um, and then, like, and then after thinking about it for a second, I was just like, I'm a fucking weapon of God. <laughs> and like starting to have that realization of like, that's a really powerful thing. Like that's a pretty powerful name, you know? Cause that was actually something that people were saying to me. Like as I was, you know, we, so we were named during part of this puja, this ceremony. Um, and um, so there was like an audience of people, a room full, a group, uh, you know, an area full of strangers that I didn't really know, but after the fact, everyone's saying, congratulations, congratulations, and, you know, that's a great name, that's a great name, or that's a powerful name, and so I think, like, kind of having that, having that repeated over and over, like, the powerful name, that's a powerful name, it kind of, like, finally sunk in, like, oh, yeah, this is a powerful name, <laughs> like, it's a weapon of God, like, that's kind of intense, um, <laughs> kind of, <laughs> kind of intense, um, yeah, and I'm still learning more and more what it means. Like, just, like, on a very broad basis, like, the the um, the uh, Triton represents the Trinity or, like, creation, maintenance, destruction, or life, death, and the things in between. Um, so that's that. <laughs> um, also, Shiva cut off Ganesha's head with a Triton. Like, that's how he killed Ganesh before he gave him the elephant head so um so I'm learning little bits and pieces like that but to me the big unfolding um 
the big teaching that I'm getting right now um, is like, you have to be careful with a weapon. Like you have to learn how to use a weapon safely and effectively before you can really use it powerfully. And I think that that's really timely and appropriate for where I am right now because like I feel myself coming into myself or coming into my power in a big way. Um, and I, it's something that I've been feeling for a long time, just kind of like this rising energy or this rising inner strength um, that I haven't really been able to put my finger on what it means or where it's coming from or where it's leading me. But like, I just kind of felt this something big is unfolding or unfurling. And now, like now it's not just this inner feeling, but it's this pretty literal happening in my life of I'm about to move to Colorado. I'm about to start grad school. I'm about to basically have my entire life transformed and in all of the ways. And, um, and I mean, obviously like some of the little details are there like in place and yet there's a lot of space in between those details that are not yet determined, you know? Um, there's so much unfamiliar, but in that unfamiliarity and that, in those places where I feel like no control right now, there's like so much potential, you know? Um, there's so much potential to like step into these circumstances that I think are going to allow me to kind of step into that power I've been feeling build more and more. The point being that like, I think right now my name, Trishula Jaya, um, is a reminder to like, to wait. It's a reminder of like the importance of preparation and like learning to wield your weapon well, learning mm -hmm. to like use your strength effectively and safely and not just like haphazardly or carelessly. Um, so this time that I have, like this next three or four months that are kind of like leading to this really big life transition, this isn't the time to just like throw myself recklessly and be like, I'm a weapon of God, I got this, you know, let's like start throwing around my power, you know, but to like sit with it and to like learn to spend those, you know, the, the thousand hours that it takes, the, the thousand hours they always talk about, like that it takes to master something like this is that time. It's like, I'm preparing for battle. I'm not, and I don't like the analogy of battle, but I use that just because trident. I mean, that's what it makes me think of. <laughs> um, but it's like, you don't just grab a trident and then just go flinging, you know? Like, yeah, and Shiva is not flinging that thing around. Right, exactly. Like, <laughs> I feel like if you think about the image of Shiva holding his trident, it's like always still. him just like sitting in stillness in meditation, the trident just kind of behind one of his shoulders and one of his hands, um, just like waiting. Um, so yeah, that, that's what, that's the first thing that's coming to mind is just this idea of like to use a weapon well, you have to really spend time with it. To use a weapon safely, you have to be willing to like sit back in stillness and learn how to like take aim, you know? To prepare. I'm excited to see how it continues to unfold. And I imagine, like, because you were saying, like, you'll have to, like, kind of work yourself into it and, like, but I think just from the outside looking at other people who are part of the lineage that we're a part of, it seems like people's lives just kind of unfold into their name. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, whatever happens happens 
and their name is there to yeah. to ground them. Their name is totally. there to like bring them back to themselves. It's definitely a big marker in your personal history of whatever comes after that moment might not look that different from the outside and yet you'll never be the same again. Yeah. It is a commitment, man. Like sometimes I think about it and it's like like yeah, there like could be turning back, but this definitely like changed me, <laughs> you know. I think that the turning back I know for me, not necessarily, well, maybe a little bit right now, but I know for me, I definitely have experienced that reality of like the moments that I start to feel myself become most open are kind of often followed by those moments of being the most closed. You know, mm-hmm. it's like that, you know, one step forward, three steps back. And it's not always one step forward, three steps back, but for me, I have kind of felt this pull forward into my path and then like this kind of retreat out of fear or this kind of like retraction that's like just that natural response to expansion because expansion can be scary like being on this path of awakening or being on this like path of a seeker or an ex- like a inner explorer like it can be really difficult and lonely and so many different things and I know for me I've definitely experienced that when I when I'm about to like open the most I've ever opened inevitably that's followed by a moment of self-sabotage in some way you know or like whether it's like direct self-sabotage or just kind of like I get a little spiritually lazy or I get like really attached to material life or whatever happens but like I know that I've experienced that you know so it's like going back not my I don't think that it's possible to go back I think that once you're awake you can't really go back to sleep in any way totally you can try, but you never really can. Um, but but the point is that you can try. And and the trying, I think, is not a matter of turning back. It's more just a matter of, like, slipping up or taking a break or... And I say and that I think because all of that like, is part of it. Yeah. And I say, like, I feel like there's no turning back, but I say, like, there could be turning back because I'm 23. and every now and then I'll be like holy shit I'm not even in my mid-20s yeah like what the fuck is gonna happen from here on out like if this is what's happening now like where the fuck is this going I think about that for you sometimes (laughs) like I mean like yes you are definitely not your age in so many and like age is a number really like it's all relative but like relative to most other 23 year olds like you are in a totally different playing field you know um and if you're already here like I mean this is what I hear you saying like if you're already here at 23 almost 24 like where the fuck are you gonna be five years yeah, now, it's like, 10 what's years happening? now like what's what? gonna what's gonna what happen? train am I on right now like help <laughs> someone stop it which, like, obviously I don't want that I want to keep going forward right. on my path but like but the train might slow down it might stop temporarily yeah it might take a detour like anything could happen yeah anything could happen but like the but the point of the commitment part of the name is Mm -hmm. that like you're gonna stay on the train you know or you're like even if you get off for a minute like chances are you're gonna get back on you know yeah 
like that's what the name represents like that's that commitment of like yeah okay, especially because so I have a tattoo of Kali on my body so okay so your I name is <laughs> your name is Kali Priya Jaya talk about your name <sighs> so Kali is a goddess and she is a goddess of destruction and transformation and she's at least in the tradition that we come from is the like the slayer of the ego ego meaning any of the things that make you separate from god or your true self or the mother or whatever you want to however you want to look at it and all of her imagery is like she has four arms and sometimes she has like 10,000 arms, but most of the time she has four arms, and it's like there's a big ass like machete in one arm, a severed head in the other arm. In her third arm, there's like a uh, what do you call this? Her hand, like the palm of her hand facing forward. This is like, don't be afraid. Don't, yeah, have no fear. Which is really funny because her tongue is like dripping blood. Yeah, she's um, like, sometimes she has fangs covered in blood. Yeah. She's like, have no fear. In her, in her fourth arm, she has, like, a cup that's catching the blood that's pouring from the severed head. Um, and she's um, oftentimes depicted as, like, black. And that's, you know, from this lineage, she's, like, the black mother. Um, and she's scary. And she's supposed to be scary. Because when you think of your ego to me like I mean it's so hard to like verbalize this so this is good I'm talking it out yeah <laughs> but like when I think of the ego um when I think of like those things that make me separate from God or separate from who I really am I think of like all these things that I attach myself to mm -hmm. and you know, the thing about this goddess in particular is that it's like, oh, you're attached to that and you're asking me not to be attached to it anymore? Okay, I'm cutting it off. Yeah. Like, I'm... She comes with her sword and... I'm severing its head off. Mm -hmm. It's done. And when it's done, it's done. And it can be really painful. Mm -hmm. And especially... Like, for me right now, like, I'm dealing with this mysterious injury that's, like, in my neck and shoulder and chest and shoulder blade and jaw and all of the things. It's been going on for a really long time. And, you know, I don't literally think that there's, like, a collie in the sky that's, like... Oh, you want detachment from your body? I'm injuring you. Right. <laughs> like, I don't think that's how it works. I think I'm just, like, finding meaning in the things in life. Yeah. And, and um, that's what these imageries do for us is they help us. Like, I mean, like you said, at the ashram, all these forms everywhere, all this imagery everywhere mm -hmm. is helping create meaning. Yeah. And everywhere you look. And that's kind of like, sorry, didn't mean to answer. Go ahead. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, this injury is mysterious. I can't get to the bottom of it. It's not, it's such a, but the thing that's most painful about it, it's like, I can't, 
I've had to completely like redefine what yoga is for me. Like I can't just like get on my mat and do what I've been doing. Um, I've had to like, I've had to be okay with like doing less things. Like, um, you know, I was kind of asking to not have to work at the coffee shop anymore. And then due to this injury, like that was taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like, you know, I'm not going to go into the whole thing about this injury because I could talk about it forever, but it's been very emotional and it's been very hard and it's been very revealing of like, what are you holding on to, you know? And so it was, I felt like right on time for me to get this name. So Kali is the goddess and then Priya means beloved. Um, Annette was telling me yesterday that it also can mean like sweetness or nectar. Mm. Um, And uh, so it's like the goddess Kali is vicious and she's not, uh, it, it doesn't matter if she hurts your feelings. It's like, you asked for this, I love you, so I'm taking it away. Mm-hmm. And you can figure out how to give back to yourself because you can. Right. Um, and although it's that vicious, it's like, it's also sweet mm-hmm. because she's the mother. She's, um, she, and she's pitch black because she's taking on all of these things that you don't want anymore. She's taking she's on taking all of on your, your darkness. darkness. Yeah. Um, so to have your darkness, like, taken away means that it's being revealed. Mm-hmm. And um, so this shit has been so intense. <laughs> and I was saying to someone yesterday, like, you know, I'm into Kali. I've been into Kali from, like, the minute I was, like, I saw, like, a Kali statue. Um, but I also feel like Kali just that energy, that imagery or whatever has been, has been interested in me, you know? Pursuing you, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's really intense. <laughs> and, uh, but what's cool about it too is like, there's so many things I could say. God. <laughs> <laughs> One is that like, you know, I bring up all of that stuff with the injury because getting this name has made me really be able to, like, see a little bit more clearly without so much emotional attachment mm-hmm. that, like, this, like, hardship is is part of my path. It's part mm-hmm. of all of our paths. Mm-hmm. But um, for whatever reason, like, I need to be taught in that way, mm-hmm. like, my my ego attachments, at least for now at this time in my life, need to be taken away. Because mm-hmm. that's what I want. And I don't know why I want that, but that's what I want. Um, and the other thing that's really cool is, like, you were saying earlier that the name kind of tells you what your essence is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of is, like, gives you tools for how to act in the world, how to, like, live out your essence. Mm-hmm. And, like, 
I'm not Kali, but <laughs> I've over the last couple of weeks since we got back. Well, what? Actually, it's only, it's only been one week. week. <laughs> <laughs> it's only been time one is going week. so fast and so slow at it's the so same strange. time. Over the last week <laughs> since I got back, I've really been able to see like um, that. That's I think that's my gift too. Is like um, that I I am direct and like straight to the point. You know, like, just ask my boyfriend. <laughs> now he's like, okay, Miss Kali. <laughs> um, and, like, thinking about in my teaching, like, mm-hmm. um, I'm very much, like, inspired by and I draw from that, like, Kali tradition. Mm-hmm. Whether I actually, I was going to say whether I realize it or not, but most of the time I don't realize it. It's just, like, how I teach. Yeah. And But, I mean, you do realize it, too, because that. I mean, like you said, that you've known from the beginning since you saw Kali, like, that you were drawn to her. And, like, the mm-hmm. name Tough Love comes from right. like, very Kali inspiration. Like, Kali is Tough Love. Like, that's the whole reason that our studio is called that, you know? And, like, the fact that you were drawn to that studio, you know? And the fact that, like, you fit in with that teaching, not only the teaching of Kali and Yoga, but just, like, the style that kind of represents Tough Love, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that... But it it's just is, it just is you, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting because, like, everything leading up to, like, that weekend that we got our names, I feel like I've just been, like, listening to, like Darren was saying over the weekend, like, feeding the signs. Feed the signs, yeah. Like, I, 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 I wasn't, like... I want to find a studio that is called Tough Love Yoga. Like, I, I wasn't, I didn't know that that's what I wanted until I saw it. And right. then it was like, I don't know what the fuck this is, but, like, I want to go here. But it doesn't here. matter that you don't know it in your mind. You know it in your heart. You know, like, you know yeah. it in that. And that's what I'm saying. You like, know it in, like, that magnetic part of you that is just kind of drawn or led, you know? Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. It's so interesting. It's like, that's not... Having a name is cool because now I can, now I have made that commitment for myself that's Mm -hmm. like, this is my path Mm -hmm. Um, and make a conscious commitment that Mm -hmm. like, okay, like when I look back on like whatever has brought me here, whatever like nameless energy (laughs) that has brought me to this place, like I want to keep doing this. Like, um, and I'm so glad that I didn't know what the fuck I wanted because I, over the last couple of years, I've just realized that like, if I'm, if I want what I want, I need to get out of the way. Mm -hmm. And that's only been serving me. And now... Like what? What other ways are you in the way? Let's let's cut those out. Let's keep on going. <laughs> keep that sword swinging. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm very happy with my name. And I was telling you, like that day, that yeah. like I didn't say it out loud, but I I did know that I wanted Kali to be in my name. Yeah. 
But and like you said, you have her tattooed on your arm, and that <laughs> happened long before your name was Kali Priya. Yeah, like a year before. I don't even know the, what I was doing when I got this tattoo. I remember being a little bit like, oh, wow. Because I don't think that you would really – I think that you had just really started – and I don't, I don't know for sure that this is true, but it, from my perspective, like, it seemed like you had just really gotten into Kali. Like, you had just kind of started falling in love with her, and mm-hmm. bam, <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> like, this <Yeah>. is serious. <laughs> I was like, well, when I got it, you know, like when I say, like, I feel like Kali has been pursuing me. Yeah. Right before I got this tattoo, I, like, all this stuff came to me, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is real. What kind of stuff? Um, like, the very first time I went to the ashram, I had a dream, and, like, mm-hmm. Kali was definitely in it, and I didn't know what that was. I didn't even, like tell that part of the dream to anyone because I don't know what it was even though like seeing like Kali statues like at the at Tough Love and at the ashram it was so not that yeah so not pretty yeah <laughs> and, right um and I think when I realized like how strong that energy was like coming towards me mm-hmm. I was like Okay, fine. <laughs> like arms wide it. open. Yeah. Do what you gotta do, and, and so then I got a tattoo. <laughs> and I'm sure everyone around me was like, "Girl, you are asking for good something. luck to you." Yeah. <laughs> Which fair enough, and I knew that. And it, also, I was still like, I was in the middle of like my injury at that time too, and I was just in so much pain, and I was just like. Take the shit out of my life. And the funny thing about, I say funny loosely, but the funny thing about Kali is like, she will get you what you're asking for. And I really think that like, me asking for this like injury and for this pain to go away, it's happening. But it's not like my injury is going away. It's like, how do you feel about your injury? Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I mean, so many, so many teachers talk about like suffering is in the mind. Like, even if it is a direct response of something that's happening inside the body, or even if it is a direct response of like some very traumatic event happening outside of you, like the suffering, the feeling of it is always in the mind. You know, mm-hmm. and that can be so hard to accept. Yeah. And I think because, because like, we feel, well, I'll speak for myself. I feel like entitled yes. to be in pain because it's real to me. It's real. And like at the ashram, um, that's, that's when I really realized like this thing is not me. And like it is real. But can I like let go of it? Mm-hmm over and over again if I have to, you know. Because the paradox of the spiritual path is that it doesn't make any of this world or this earthly path less real. Mm -hmm. It just expands things and makes everything a lot more complicated Mm -hmm. and, like, a lot more complex. It's like 
asking yourself to be ripped wide open enough to contain both you know yeah where it's like you are in this world you are this physical being that is in very real pain and you're something so far beyond this physical being and at every moment you have the choice of how you handle pain and that can be physical pain that can be like that's just and that's such a that is a big thing to ask to like to handle your pain well yeah you know it's so simple and it's so it's a huge thing to ask and I I didn't have that compassion before because I'd never been in chronic pain you know like any injury that I had had before like it's not that big of a deal and like goes away and so like I could be a little bitch about it because it lasts for like two weeks or whatever and not like I didn't have compassion for people in pain, but I could never understand what it was yeah. until understanding it for myself. And, and that's a big thing to ask. Like, and I realize now more than ever that like it's a big deal to ask like people in your lives or students or whatever to like to handle their pain with more self compassion and Mm. with more like calmness um it's a big thing and it's real it's like there's something to it yeah but I think that that's a very important point to to make especially as teachers is to recognize just how much you're asking of people or Mm -hmm. just how much you are I don't think it's our place to ask people to do that for themselves but like yeah. what you are offering to people when you tell them that that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, when you say, like, you know, courage isn't the absence of fear, it's having the ability to stand up to your fear or work through your fear. And that is no small feat, you know? Yeah. It's like, that's a really important thing for people to realize because we are in control how... We are in somewhat control of our lives insofar as we can control how we respond to life we can we can control how we show up to life and that's always true even when it doesn't seem true it's always true and sometimes it is it seems impossible you know because like I liked how you said entitled to pain because I think that that's a really good way of putting it because it's like when pain just seems like the necessary reaction or the only reaction like it is an entitlement thing Like, I feel hurt. Like, of course I'm going to cry. I feel hurt. Of course I'm going to do this. And it's not that it's wrong to do those things. It's just that at some point you can make the choice to do otherwise, you know? Um, And that's, like, going to be impossible for probably most people. And it's always going to be very, very difficult for anyone who tries it. Yeah. Um, So it's difficult, though. It's, like, to acknowledge that it's real, that it's possible, that it's true. Yeah, it was so easy for me to say that shit yeah. before I was... but then to actually really experience for yourself, like, just yeah. what you're asking or just what you're offering to people, like, when you say stuff like that. Like, it's kind of profound. Yeah. It's, it's extremely profound. It's not kind of profound. It's <laughs> amazingly profound. Yeah. And I think, like, all of that being said, bringing it back to death. <laughs> For me, having or getting a name, it was very much like, are you ready to, like, die 
to a part of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and that idea has has been on my mind and on my heart for so long because mm-hmm. like like growing up in the church like that is said all the time like because apparently Jesus said that like like you have to die to your old self and be reborn and like that is interpreted in so many ways mm-hmm. but that always meant something to me and I mm-hmm. was always so curious about that and yeah and uh mm. Then, like, hearing that same sort of message from through the lens of yoga and the guru tradition and all this stuff, that it made more sense to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, like, I feel like I needed a while to, like, <laughs> build up to this point. Like, we both did. Like, it seems like for both of us, there was a lot leading up to getting our names. Yeah. And all of the, when I look back at it, it's like lots and lots of things over and over again, like asking me to, to die to certain things. Mm-hmm. And like, like you need to let go of this thing that you think you are. Oh, and you think you're this other thing. You need to let go of that too. And finally, when it came down to it, it was like, I'm calling Taya Jaya, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's who I am. And, you know, and of course I still have attachment to things. I'm not, like, enlightened right. by any means. But but it's, it's really cool to me to, like, have this name, which is this symbol and this tool of, like, mm-hmm. like what do I need to die to to understand that this is who I am, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, those tiny deaths we're always talking about. Yeah, because oftentimes, like, the only way to move forward is to unlearn something or to let a part of yourself go. Mm -hmm. And that can be so painful. But we're strong enough to do it. We're all strong enough to do it. Who knew yoga would be so fucking intense? <laughs> like, someone asked me yesterday, like, what were you doing before yoga? Like, before tough love? And I was like, oh my God. Like, before tough love, I was doing like Ashtanga yoga. And I just thought, I just thought yoga was, was something different. Yep. And I guess it is that for a lot of people. Like, and that's fine. Yeah. But, and, and doing, just like doing yoga and not going this deep into it was, that was doing something. It really was, you know, but just moving your body and like, like manipulating your muscles in a certain way and like being in your body will do something to you no matter what teacher you have or no matter what tradition it's part of That's It just works. Right. But on the outside, it was like sun salutations and love and light and love yourself. And it's like, now here I am. (laughs) And your path is much more about love and death. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Like 
I mean, would you ever think that, like, like five years ago, do you ever think that you would, like, be getting a spiritual name via a dead guru? <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. Yes and no. Um, yes, because I've always been drawn to the mystical, and I've yeah. always been very um, spiritually oriented. I think I've always wanted to be this kind of kooky person that believes that a dead woman could give me a spiritual name and like absolutely believe that it was, you know, it was given by her. Like, yes, I think that I've always, mm, whether it was through yoga, whether it was through however I got here, like, I think that I would, was always kind of heading here of like rediscovering. So I think for me, like one of the most heartbreaking heartbreaking parts of like leaving the church like leaving Christianity was like I still wanted a spiritual home like I still that was for me too like I still felt like I tried denying God I tried pretending like not even I tried to not believe in God like I tried to completely just turn that part of myself off and just like renounce it and just like I'm an atheist or I'm agnostic and like that never felt true like the moment that I would like try to say the words it was like nah I believe in something like I had to believe in something like it's just in my heart to do it you know um, I, I don't make sense to me. Like, life doesn't make sense to me. I don't make sense without having some kind of, some kind of something bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, like, I, I didn't know a lot about yoga, but, like, I knew that yoga kind of had this idea of a higher self and that, that yoga in its many forms though I only really knew of the physical form, I knew that the path of yoga was kind of heading towards this thing called higher self. Um, And that language immediately kind of resonated with me, you know? So even before I really got into yoga, I kind of knew that that was a part of it. Um, And it reminded me of dancing, and I love dancing. So those two things combined, it was like, there's a physical component, there was a spiritual component. I was just like, I want to try this. Um, But it wasn't really until, and this is kind of a different tangent. This might not be really answering your question at all. Um, but it wasn't really, it wasn't really, it wasn't really even until I could acknowledge that like I had this broken relationship to God or that I had this broken idea of what God was, um, that I was actually able to like fully step onto this path. Like I wanted to meditate for so long before I actually was able to meditate, you know, like I was doing yoga and like using the terms, like using kind of, like, the spiritual jargon and stuff like that and, like, saying these things before they ever actually sunk in deep enough Mm -hmm. to mean something to me. So I was, like, kind of walking the talk, like, walking the walk before I was ever able to fully, like, live it or really step into it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, it wasn't until, like, I could acknowledge, like, I was wanting a spiritual home and yet I wasn't able to find my spiritual home because, like, a part of me was still very averse to what that meant. I think I was afraid of getting hurt by that again. I was afraid of, like, admitting that I wanted to believe in God again. Or, you know, like, I still think a part of me didn't want to call it God. Like, I was yeah. very averse, like, that word. And even that word now, like, it means a lot of things to me. It means universe. It means mother. It means spirit. It means flow. Like, it means source. It means so many things. Like, God just happens to be a word that resonates with me to kind of, like, encompass all of the things that we can't explain with words. And I think that's why God makes sense to me because God is like, God has always been that to me in some way. Whereas like flow, mother, 
source. Like all those things kind of have meaning that feel worldly in a way, you know? Mm. Whereas like God just inherently is an, an unworldly word to me, which is why like even though I don't necessarily um, I don't necessarily subscribe to those same those same like traditions that I once did with that word, like it still is a word that made sense to me. But it wasn't until I could really reclaim that word and like reclaim my understanding of that word and like redefine it and re-ritualize it, rethink it and practice it and all those things that like my path really started to come alive, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think I was always kind of and honestly like this is what I was thinking about when you were talking about um yeah, yoga's fucking powerful and like yoga's really amazing and I think that even when I was just practicing Ashtanga Vinyasa and loving the flow because it felt like dancing, like that was absolutely the beginning of opening my heart. That was mm-hmm. absolutely the beginning of like cracking my mind open. But yoga is not going to be that for everyone. But I think that I think that being human is inherently spiritual, and I think that it's inherently mystical. And like even if your even if your yoga is like reading science textbooks and nothing else, like even if you want to pretend like there's nothing out there, but like, that can't be explained by, like, a science book, like, that's still kind of mystical in a way, like, that's still spiritual in a way, like, that's still what makes you feel most alive, you know? When I hear, like, physicists talk about the universe, mm-hmm. like, that is so fucking beautiful. It's so amazing. And, like, so... my brain will never be able to comprehend that. Right. So, like, that's not what gets me to, to what I'm trying right. to get to. Exactly. And, like, but that is still a path, just like yoga is a path. And that's, a, I guess that's what I'm trying to say is, like, not everyone's path is going to be the same. Like, that's why there are different religions. Like, that's why there are different rituals. And that's why some people come into a yoga class and, like, they just strip their bodies. And that's why. And some people come into yoga class and they fucking hate it, you know? Yeah. Um, and some people feel that when they play tennis. And I don't like tennis. I would never feel that when I play <laughs> tennis, you know? <laughs> that was random. <laughs> I don't know why that was the first thing that came to tennis. Fuck tennis. No, if tennis is your path, cool. <laughs> Whatever gets you back to you. Because ultimately, like, that's what it's about. Like, yeah. getting back to you, like, getting back to, like, the deepest part of you that, like, that makes you feel connected. You know? Totally. And that's, like, like, if you turned around, you would see, like, a million bicycles. And that's, like, <laughs> I mean, John does some yoga, too. But actually, right. he does a lot of yoga lately. But it's, like, that's that's where he feels connected to himself. It's, like, yep. going up hills and shit on his yeah. bike. And, like... Being in community, right. like, and I think that's amazing. And it's like, that's not how I feel about riding bikes. Right. But, and like, the way that I feel about yoga is just not how he's going to feel. Right. Um, but it's all the same. But we both appreciate both things. Right. And and it's all ultimately the same. Like, yeah. It's all going back to the same thing. Yeah. And like, I, I, I would love to take more time in my life at some point to study um, physics and all that because I love that the more the more that science starts to open up to like ha- just how much we still don't know like the more it kind of has to merge with the mystical you know mm-hmm. or like the more that we do learn even the more that we can actually explain like the more it kind of becomes a little bit mystical in a way I like, think so that's I, like the movement that's happening right now exactly, like, exactly I think there was a while where it was like we're learning all this stuff and it doesn't like it's separating us from mysticism and religion because we have answers now. Right. And now. And now it's we've like, gone beyond our answers and we're trying to be like, holy fuck. <laughs> yeah. 
and, and, and that might change. It might. And that, I don't think this phase will last forever because, like, spiritual phases change. Right. And scientific phases change. It's the nature of both of those things. And right. And there's ebb and flow. I think it's pretty cool that right now, right. it's like... And I, I think that at any time, they're not mutually exclusive, you know? So my yeah. point, like, what I tried to go with that, too, is, like, whatever it is that you love, like, when you listen to someone talk about what they love, like, they talk about it in this, like, it brings me to life. Like, they talk about mm-hmm. it in, like, mystical terms almost, you know? It, like, I guess we're just saying the same thing over and over again now, but, like, it's not just yoga that does this for people, you know? Yeah. Like, I talk, like, I hear so many people talk about, or, like, I listen to, you know, people talking about the things that they love or do most, and, like, it sounds like yoga, you know? Which is why right. I think everything is yoga, but... <laughs> right, because that's the word that means something to us. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, like, I was talking with a friend last night who is a yogi, and she's an actor, and it was funny, because, like, talking about yoga and teaching and all these things, like, it would, she would keep saying, like... And that's what it's like in acting. Mm-hmm. And it was like bringing her back to that. And mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. it's so beautiful. Like, yeah. But I think what, what you say a lot is like, what brings you to life? Like what makes you more alive? Like mm-hmm. what brings you into the moment? Mm-hmm. Makes you step into your like human experience more fully. Mm-hmm. Like for us, that's yoga at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Now I'm good with that. Even if I can't do backbends anymore. For now. You never know what's going to happen. We I'm not attached. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, it can go either way. And you'll be okay either way. Yeah. Well, that was like the most vulnerable I've been on the podcast so far. Really? I call it, talking about all this college stuff is like, it's so out there. Vulnerable in the sense of like just saying what is important to you, even if it might not be received well, or yeah, like people might not understand it. People might like, yeah, even and like also it. for everyone listening, like we're not in a cult. <laughs> Don't even go there. It's fine. <laughs> I, but like you know, when I when I hear us talking yeah. about it, I'm like, that that kind of sounds culty, and that's would, fine. It, it is fine, but that. like, but honestly, like, it's only because it's not familiar to most people. Because like, I was telling my friend about my name recently, and like, he's a Christian and knows very little about yoga other than just like the physical. Like, he hates yoga. Like, I try to get him to do yoga, can't stand it. Anyways, so he doesn't know anything about yoga, and especially doesn't know anything about like our lineage. Um, and so I kind of warned him as I was telling him, I'm like, okay, I want to tell you about my name. I want to tell you about this experience and it might sound a little weird, a little crazy, but just know that it's very true to me. It's very real to me. So just accept it. And he was just like, if you really think about some of the stuff that Christians believe, I don't know exactly how he said it, but he's like, you know, just like some of the things that Christians believe, some of the rituals that I practice, like some of the things that like, that ring true to me, like they sound fucking crazy just because I have a book. Right that supports it just because like I have thousands well I mean Hinduism also has thousands of, like yeah. hundreds of thousands of years supporting it but like just like these mystic traditions these lineages don't always have to make sense you know totally and like that doesn't make them any less real just because I mean experiences are real regardless of if they're true as Ramdas would say <laughs> it's all relatively real <laughs> it's all relatively it's real. real it's relatively real 
relative. Maybe the best. Mm. Well, just last thing, just to like kind of wrap it up for me, anyways. Um, I think one way that I've been using my name already, um, and I'm sure it'll continue to change. Of course, it'll continue to unfurl and mean different things. But like, one way that I have seen myself using it is like when I do start to see myself. I mentioned in the past that like when I start to feel like I'm opening up in some new way, I tend to kind of immediately then retract. And now I feel like I have this tool to help keep myself open. Because, like, when I see myself going down that trail of, like, potentially self-sabotaging or keeping myself in fear or keeping myself in, like, my attachments or my smaller places, I just kind of, like, internally puff up my chest and be like, Trishula Jaya, Trishula Jaya, like just kind of, you know, chant my own name just like as a reminder of like, this is who you really are. Mm-hmm. There's no, there, this is not the time and the place to be small. Like this is not, that's, that doesn't have to be an option anymore. I was about to say it can't be an option anymore. It can be an option, but it doesn't have to. And it's an inevitability. It is, yeah, but it doesn't because have to be. Because we're human. It doesn't have to be. But now I guess what I'm saying is like, there will still be this expansion and contraction within me. I will still have these moments of, like, feeling just completely open and alive and full of love. And then there will be moments when, like, I don't feel that, and that's okay, too. But at least now I have a tool to kind of help me bring help bring me back to mm-hmm. that place where I feel most alive, most full, most whole, you know? Um, and I can see myself. I was even – I went rock climbing on Wednesday, and I was, like, doing – so it was really, really hard for me. And, like, there was a part of me that wanted to give up, and I was just like, oh, I'm fucking Trishula Jaya. And I got yeah. this really hard move and got to the top. I was like, woo! <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, like, I feel like at every – and then there's like, moments when, like, I get really stuck. Like, yesterday I was just inexplicably sad and, like, just feeling really triggered and just, like, everything was making me upset. And I just felt myself kind of going down these really negative spirals of – like going into the parts of myself that aren't always very pretty, that I don't really, really like, and just feeling kind of weak in that, you know? And and I'm gonna feel that way. Like like you said, like I am by no means free from detachment. I am by no means any less human than I was before I got my name. But like but now I have a tool to help me pull me out of those moments. Mm-hmm. Like and I always had tools, but now I have a name for those tools and I can just be like Trisha Lidia. And it's for you. Yeah, it's and it's like... unique to me. It's like something that um I've always wanted to have like, like there's so many times when I'm listening to a, a podcast or reading a book and like I'll hear a word, like I'll see a phrase or like hear some kind of quote that like resonates to me and like I think to myself, oh, I'm gonna remember that. And when I like when I'm feeling this other way, I'm gonna remember that and I'm gonna feel that way. I never remember those things. Like I never actually remember those little buzzwords or like right. and those it's little like, quotes that I want to. We can have little like mala bracelets or prayer beads or stones, but like or those tattoos. things are gonna go away. Yeah, like. Like, Your name is going to be with you forever yeah. if you want. Right. So that's been something cool. But I just yeah. have this very immediate and powerful tool to at least invite me to come out of my smaller places, to invite yeah. me to kind of, like, embrace my darkness in a different way, you know? Yeah. Because it doesn't always just pull me out of it automatically. It just kind of helps remind, remind me that that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. Totally. In this moment, I am sad. But sadness is not my essence. I never am going, I'm not. Right, you are experiencing sadness. I am experiencing sadness. Sadness is not me. No thought, no yeah. emotion, no, no, nothing in time is me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I've had a similar experience with my name too. Like, I will, and, and you know, it's like in the weeks post ashram, so I'm a little bit more attuned to myself and my tendencies. Mm-hmm. And it's like I can see myself like shrinking mm-hmm. at times, and it's nice to have just like not even that I like consciously think like right but I just like I feel like I understand on a deeper level that like I'm powerful I'm mm-hmm. like don't shrink yeah like that doesn't do you any good that actually hurts you yeah exactly yeah it's not even that like you're not shrinking because like you're better than that or anything like that it's because like the universe doesn't want you to suffer the universe doesn't want any of us to suffer the universe is ultimately for all of us like you know and it's us ultimately kind of get in our own way of that. Yeah. You know? And yeah, like, why be small? None of us have to. Why do it? <laughs> it ultimately only hurts us. And the more that we can just daily, moment by moment, step out of those small places, even if it's just in our own minds, often it is just in our own minds, like, the more we can do that, like, the more free we are. Yeah, and to bring it way back to the beginning of the podcast, the more we step into who we are and, like, stop being so small. And smallness manifests in so many different ways for different people. But the more that we do that, the more we have to offer for everything that comes in contact with us. And the more we invite others to do the same. I think sometimes that... I think sometimes are afraid of people. One reason I know I can be afraid of being my biggest self sometimes is I don't want to feel like I'm putting myself above others or trying to like overshadow anyone or anything like that. But ultimately, like when I hold myself back, I'm kind of asking, I'm inadvertently asking others to do the same. Whereas like if I'm offering my best, Yes, I'm offering my best to the world around me, and I'm inviting others to also show up as their best. Yeah. Because, again, like, we're all mirrors. We're all just mirrors of each other. And, like, I can't control what others are reflecting at me, but I can control what I'm reflecting at them, and maybe ultimately that will awaken something in them. Maybe it won't, and that's okay, too, but, like, it might. Because we, like, we are all connected, whether when we feel it or when we don't. Like, we are connected. We impact each other. And so when we offer our best like that's what we're showing to others by being my brightest and lightest like I'm offering the light by which other people can see that in themselves yeah (laughs) hence this podcast (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. alright anything else no Well, thanks for listening, guys. (laughs) Keep on shining.